Hello, Alex, and welcome back. Hello, Victor. Happy to be back. It's good to be back indeed, especially on such a wonderful day. I mean, uh, this episode will be published later on, but uh, today we learned that uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won the US presidency. Indeed. It is uh, November 7th, a Saturday, and we're recording in the afternoon, and uh, yes. But we're not going to talk about the US presidency or US politics. Absolutely not. No, no, no. There is too much talk out there about this. Yeah, and we're not expert enough, I think, to uh, to to have any... Any, any opinion on that? But we are called, or our podcast is called EU Untangled. So we talk about the EU. And um, today we have a, a quite a big topic, actually, as a first topic of our, or after our reboot of our podcast, which is the European Green Deal. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a huge topic. Um, I must say, though, it's not new at all, so... Um, this is a topic that has been going around uh, for quite a long time now. Um, but of course, it's probably the cornerstone of EU policy and politics these days. And I am absolutely thrilled to talk about it today. Yeah, and maybe one, one little point why we chose that topic also as a, as a start. Um, it's a good question. Why did we choose it? Yeah, it's a good question. No, I think so. Two things I, I I believe are quite interesting here. First of all, it is a I think a nice topic to apply our motto of EU untangled to it because it is a, a huge deal that has to be kind of like untangled and also and also um, unwrapped, you know. And I think and and many people out there they just heard of it. Oh yeah, European Green Deal. Hmm, not sure what it is about. So this is the first thing. And second of all, this gives us also or we both I think have maybe a say on it because we both work in um, in fields that are at least loosely related to it, you know. So, Victor, you are based in Brussels and you are doing what there? Well, um, that, that's, a, that's an excellent question. I am based in Brussels and now I'm working as a consultant. And uh, part of what I do is um, advise a host of clients um, on sustainability. And sustainability is a big deal within the EU uh, Green Deal. And uh, you, Alex, you were based in Berlin, a uh, big uh, European uh, city, big European capital. And uh, right now it's more important than ever because Germany is hosting the presidency of the EU Council. And what do you do there in Berlin? Why did you uh, ditch Brussels and went there? Yes, Yeah, well, we, we both met in Brussels a couple of years ago, and uh, I moved to Berlin to uh, follow a career as a PhD candidate or PhD student, and I'm currently working at the uh, German Institute for Economic Research and working there in uh, the field of energy. Our idea is to have uh, this program coming out maybe every uh, every other month, uh, covering one piece of EU legislation or EU topic uh, and trying to untangle it. Let's start, no? Uh, let's get it started. Let's get it started, baby. Let's get it started. <laughs> and uh, maybe, maybe can you just, or I, I just ask you just very broadly, maybe that's a stupid question, but what is the European Green oh, Deal? Oh, Jesus, man, that's a, that is a tough question. Yeah. Um, I think that is the whole point of this episode. Um, um, listen, the European Green Deal, in a nutshell, is a 24-page document that was published by the European Commission on uh, the 11th of December 
2019, so almost a year ago. Um, but beyond this 24-page document that I believe few people, and probably for good reason, have actually read, um, this what this document contains is something pretty big. Um, it's the new growth strategy of the European Union. And as the name says, um, this is a green growth strategy. So it's this huge effort that the European Union is putting together to try to be uh, more green, more sustainable, uh, with the end goal of becoming climate neutral uh, by 2050. So that is the big uh, sort of achievement that the EU Green Deal is trying to put on the table. Interesting that you actually mentioned uh, growth um, strategy. I think a lot of um, a lot of people out there say, "Oh, this is the new climate protection deal," you know. And you say, "Oh, it's a no growth strategy." I think this is also already a, a nice uh, point you're making here. The European Green Deal, it is in its uh, essence, tries to make Europe a carbon neutral continent by 2050 but however and what you said before is growth or economic economic prosperity is of course hugely important and also cannot be or it will be very difficult to just forego this and so by this you i think the 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 idea at least of what ursula von der leyen's commission has tabled there is to to achieve both whether this will be achieved we will see and whether this actually can be done we will see also Absolutely. Um, the European Union has always made it very clear that it wants to keep on growing, both economically and socially, in a more inclusive and sustainable manner. So actually, one of the key pieces of the Green Deal, um, which uh, basically outlines actions for the uh, next decades that the EU will take, one of those key actions, one of those key pieces is what is known as the New Circular Economy Action Plan. Um, and that sounds very technical, and it actually is, because it's another document that was published this year outlining even more actions. But uh, the reason why it is very important is because um, it contains what you just mentioned. Uh, it's this um, wish, this desire, this intention, this goal of the European Union to decouple economic growth from resource consumption. So the European Union wants to keep on growing economically, but wants to do it in a sustainable manner, in a manner that is circular and that is environmentally friendly. And by circular here, um, what I'm trying to say is where um, resources are reused They are recycled, they are repurposed. So instead of following this linear trend that we're all very well familiar with, where you use something and you dispose of it, um, that something that you just use turns into something else, um, a new material, a new service, a new product. So that is the intention of, uh, of, of the Green Deal. So to find a way to keep on doing what we've been doing for so many years, but this time with the climate in mind. And who or which which industries are mostly affected or are targeted by this? That's an excellent question. I would say um, pretty much every single industry. Uh, however, there are some industries that the European Union uh, has as a priority because they are the most polluting ones. And uh, those industries, of course, um, include... Um, uh, it's, and it's not so much about industries, but more, more about products. Uh, and in this case, the products include electronics and ICT. They include plastics, the textile industry as well. Uh, construction. Uh, construction is also a big one. Um, 
and of course other industries or other products that um, are also polluting but maybe the European Union didn't have enough time to actually put together a comprehensive strategy but they will also be affected in one way or a another um, that includes uh, the cement industry for instance um, and um, uh, but basically I mean if you really want to become uh, climate neutral by 2050 which people can see that as a very long-term target right like by 2050 if now it's 2020 both you and I will be in our uh, 50s uh, early 60s right um, I know you're a lot younger than, than me but uh, what I'm trying to say is like in a, in, a, in a normal lifetime's perspective it sounds like it's very far away but it's actually very close and for industry this is a big deal um, because um, if you really want to achieve climate neutrality you actually need to um, read uh, redefine the way that things are done and uh, all industries if you think about it um, the way that they have been producing uh, products or delivering services uh, hasn't necessarily had the environment in mind so uh, for all of them regardless of what they produce uh, this will have an impact yeah and uh, not only the industry uh, has to adapt quickly um, basically we have to act we as a, a society and as economy we have to um, act quickly because mainly because of the of the intention of the whole program which is to protect the climate and to stop the heating of the earth which is in the end what this is all about yeah and maybe just to give a bit of background here um people might ask themselves okay why are we talking now about the european green deal um and why do we need it um the european union has uh, signed an, an international treaty called the Paris Agreement in 2015 and this Paris Agreement basically says um, or the governments agreed to uh, a long-term goal of keeping the increase of global average temperature well below two degrees above pre-industrial levels so and even try to to limit the increase to 1.5 percent degree um, this means that also the European Union has indirectly or actually no directly duties to to lower these co2 or not only co2 but also the greenhouse gas emissions and uh, yeah and Ursula von der Leyen's commission now try to do that by setting up this green deal which itself doesn't have anything so to say the green deal is just a communication as you said before it's just a yeah it's just you could say just a propaganda sort of say it's just kind of like a nice framework oh we call it the green deal but in the end there will be a lot of a lot of initiatives where the umbrella is the green deal and a lot of initiatives will be kind of like put under this umbrella labeling green deal you're absolutely right uh, the green deal is a is a framework and then it will be these individual actions the ones that are, will actually be implemented and define policy and industrial policy yeah yeah, exactly. So, and and um, to give the listener if, a bit of like perspective here as well on on the size, Victor, you mentioned there are like plenty of uh, of initiatives. If you go on the on the commission's um, information page, they have an annex, and I think there are like more than twenty different things they wanna they wanna target. So you said already, you mentioned already quite extensively the the um, circular economy action plan then there is a very important thing which is the so-called climate law which is cornerstone of everything uh, again to to actually get down emissions um, there is a 
proposals for a vision of the energy taxation directive. There is a strategy for adaption to climate change. There are going to be a smart sector integration in EU industrial strategy. I'm just reading a couple of things here I'm currently having here on my screen. Um, You're doing great. You're reading them very well. Yeah, thank you. Uh, they have the new EU forest strategy, mainstreaming sustainability in all EU policies. Um, they have a they have a lot of weird things. Um, they have something called the Renovation Wave Initiative for the building sector. They have a strategy on offshore winds. Oh, but both are hugely everything important. Here, everything here is super important, man. But something perhaps uh, for our listeners that is, is interesting, because of course, I don't expect anyone, honestly, um, Uh, to go to the website of the European Commission and then uh, download this PDF and have a look at this timeline. Um, this is this is um, communication. It's bureaucratic. It's uh, not necessarily sexy, right? Uh, but it's it's very very important. And one thing uh, that I think is worth pointing out is that if you have a look at the right side of that table, most of these initiatives um, were foreseen for 2020 or 2021, which is basically tomorrow. And as you said it yourself, there is a ton of things here. And each of those things on their own also um, contain a lot of more actions. Like I just want to point, for instance, to you right now, um, if you go to page number number four, there is this headline called towards a zero pollution ambition for a toxic free environment. And one of the things that is already out is a chemical strategy for sustainability. That chemical strategy for sustainability was published um Uh, last October, on 14 October, and just that document, which is also a communication, meaning that it doesn't have anything, um, it's not binding and doesn't have uh, any concrete uh, measures in and of itself, that document contains 70 more measures just related to tackling chemical pollution. So um, this is basically um, the EU Green Deal, as this framework that you mentioned, is really revamping the way that e the EU functions, especially its industry. So it's 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 a huge deal, man. A at least this is what, what they try what they, the commission, tries to sell us, you know. Indeed. And I have a question for you in this respect. I work as a consultant in a consultancy and I can tell you that for all of our clients, regardless of the sector they belong to, um, for them a lot of their um, priorities revolve around the EU Green Deal and all these actions that are stemming from it. So for me, it's sort of like the bread that I break every day. Um, but that's my job. And ultimately, the EU Green Deal is not about industry. It's about the climate. So I'm curious as to how this is perceived outside of the EU bubble and especially inside uh, the countries that will have to um, you know, uh, do something about it to implement all this regulation that will be um, created at European level and then translated into national law and, of course, you know, push their own national industry to do things in a different way. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, in the end, we will see, I guess, uh, very different coalitions of, di of countries to all these different policy measures. And it is already now quite evident that, for example certain countries in Eastern Europe, like Poland and mm. Czech Republic, have been rather critical about the European Green Deal because they, especially Poland, relies heavily on coal as a, as, a, as a source of energy. And they say they cannot quickly get away from coal as the European deal might for might foresee. Or as not the, the European Green Deal, but yeah. the climate law within the European Green Deal might actually foresee. 
I guess I guess other countries have a different opinion. So it's um, uh, I also sorry just just to finish up. I also read an an, an article uh, or an interview where, with the former prime minister of Romania who has been who came out very critical about the European Green Deal, and he even says that this might even pushing this might even push two or three countries towards an EU exit. So he fears that this might be too strong this European Green Deal and. Uh, Countries will say, "Oh no, this is too much for me." Ciao, you know. Maybe whether this is just political speech or not, we can discuss, of course. But um, I guess also um, certain countries have, or c countries in the European Union are on different levels when it comes to when it comes to economic development and um, also economic needs. So this going to be uh, going to be very differently perceived and. Depending on every country, have its, has its own interests and also its own history, and will therefore have its own um, opinion on it. And even within the country, people, of course, have different opinions. I mean, just because that the Polish government is very critical about maybe the climate law doesn't mean that within Poland there might be big supporters of the European Green Deal. I mean, this of is course. this goes without without saying. And the same in, in Germany. You know, Germany has been for many years been very critical about stricter, let's say, regulations for cars because of its government but within germany there are a lot of people politicians ngos that have been pushing for stricter regulation on on car emissions uh, but uh, at least until recently they have not been heard uh, as the lobbyists of the or the the groups of the eu uh, of the german car industry absolutely i think it, it's actually an excellent point um one thing that um i mean for those out there listening that are not necessarily living in an eu member state or are not super familiar with the way that the eu works um, of course, not necessarily everything that is done at the European level by the European Commission or the European Parliament or the European Council automatically translates into uh, binding actions at national level. This is a very messy um, territory where each national uh, government also has a big say. And uh, you're pointing at the heart of the matter, which is this ambition towards climate neutrality by 2050, um, which has been enshrined into law with the climate law. And uh, right now, one of the big discussions that will take place in the already is taking place and will occupy a big part of the political and policy agenda is whether um, this more ambitious target that was announced uh, uh, a few weeks ago by the president of the European Commission of a higher ambition uh, for climate emission reduction targets for 2030 will actually be approved by member states, and that is 55%. Right, um, and this here you already can see an int very interesting battle um, where uh, some groups are pushing for a higher number, other groups are pushing for a lower number, and it's a big mess. And this uh, point that uh, you're touching upon of capacity, uh, well, the European Green Deal uh, has a, a mechanism that it calls the Just Transition Mechanism, uh, which forces a bunch of money, a pot of 150 billion euros, euros for um, the next uh, seven years um, to help the most affected regions uh, transition uh, towards climate neutrality in what they say is a fair way. Now, of course, that's um, something up for discussion um, because uh, member states might not necessarily agree with that. Uh, but of course, there is this intention to help uh, all national governments sort of um, have uh, or play in a, in a level playing field. Yeah, um, and... I think it's a it's a good point you're raising here. Um, the just transition mechanism. It's also uh, 
probably one of the first times that actually this has been properly addressed um, because often climate policies have been in, in the past quite regressive. Regressive means that rather poor parts of our population are paying more for these policies. If you think about um, mm. increasing taxes on uh, on fuel, for example, everybody has to pay the same amount of tax on each, each liter of, of gasoline bought. And obviously, for poor people, this mm. this this refers to a higher percentage of their income than to than for for rich people. And so, the fact that that the commission is uh, is targeting that, and also especially trying to maybe help those regions in Europe that will have to fade out coal, as an example, it's I think a good step forward. Whether the amounts are enough, again, there I think a lot of criticism has has also arrived at the commission. Um, uh, there are from the rather green to left groups have saying this is like ridiculously amount a ridiculously low amount of money spent on these things you know we have been spending much more money on saving the banks 10 years ago can you actually put a price tag, a price tag on the climate it's a big question yeah can you do that and also are we actually like i mean now the commission puts out like these 100 billion whatever or like these billions here they, those billions there but in the end often also the commission is very good in selling these numbers as as money but often it's just relabeled money that has anyway been already attributed to, to solving these issues so in the end again the devil lies in the detail we have to look very closely whether this is actually additional money to 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 solve any issue or it's just like relabeled money that has already been agreed to spend anyway on these problems and um, there is still a lot of, for example, subsidies going into certain things that, like fossil fuels, for example, that are actually to be like faded out in the future. So th the plan has to kind of like be scrutinized under this perspective that maybe on the on the one hand we're spending money to solve a problem that is generated on the other side of the same of the same thing, you know. So the EU might create a problem, and yeah. That, that I think I think that's why the the European Union has also been very careful um, as w w when when it comes to calling things by their name um, uh, and and you know how picky I mean both you and I have had the chance to also work or interact a lot with the European institutions and you, you, we know how careful they are um, when they give names to to things or when they put out concepts, right? And uh, one thing that is very interesting to see and witness and read. Um, almost everywhere is um, that the European Union is calling all this a, a transition. Um, it's not something that can happen overnight. Uh, they uh, publicly acknowledge uh, that this will take time yep. and um, it will take a, a long time. So um, this is what also people may have been hearing uh, as the green and digital transition, the twin transition um, that has to happen over the next decades. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of questions in the air and also it's important, I think, to take into account that all this Green Deal uh, stuff was created before the COVID crisis, right? Um, and uh, now, uh, almost a year into a global pandemic, uh, the likes of which, uh, quote-unquote, uh, have never uh, seen before, um, I think uh, this introduces a new element uh, that had not been taken into account and that now is sort of trying to be addressed by the European Union as well with more money again, with a big pot of uh, lots of billions of euros that have been borrowed on international markets to also be disbursed to member states. One interesting thing there is that a good portion of that money 
national governments will need to spend on uh, projects that uh, help or contribute to the green transition. So um, that's also, I think, um, already um, a change of uh, mindset um, in the way that money is being dispersed because now it's being tagged for specific purposes, right? Um, and these purposes have to be justified as yeah. green. Although there are a lot of uh, critics as well saying here, yes, it is nice that this has been labeled as green or has to be spent on green projects, but whether this is actually enough or whether this is, is a whether this is share whether this share is adequate for for the problem again can can be called into question um because we talk about we talk about billions of, of euros and if you no we talk about trillions i'm sorry over a trillion uh will be the next seven year budget and 750 billion is the decided uh, amount of this thing called is it called next generation eu I think by the European Commission, um, this uh, post-pandemic rescue plan. In theory, in theory, every so if you take this actually seriously, you know, you could argue everything should be spent only on, on you know, on 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 climate compatible investment because everything you invest now in the year 2020, you know, imagine your the, the government gives, for example, a subsidy for a new street for a new airport for uh, for a new company to be built you know and these are all investment cycles that are like 10 20 30 40 years sometimes depends on the product depends on the thing you know and and now i think every euro in theory should already be spent like climate compatible you know so that is could be an also an, a, a criticism to say like okay we we dedicate like 20% 30% whatever of this of this thing to climate compatible investment hmm Maybe it should be more, you know. Yeah, um, and uh, and I think um, I mean the criticism is fair. There is also people who say it's actually too much, you know. Like we should Absolutely. slow down, guys. We're going too fast. Um, uh, and you see all sorts of interesting discussions um, across industry uh, between policymakers in the parliament among member states. Um, I think one thing that we can all agree on is this is a big deal. Um, The direction that it will take and how all these actions will be implemented, of course, this is something that we're all going to have to be watching um, in the coming years. And uh, my hope is that uh, citizens at large, uh, of course, they take an interest in these things because I believe uh, here um, public opinion will count. Um, the way that uh, citizens interact with their national governments and the way their national governments interact with the EU um, and the way, uh, you know, um, they will build these future relationships and growth strategy with industry will be uh, quintessential. So that's where I hope that uh, the European Commission also steps up in the way that they are communicating all these things because it is actually, in my opinion, as a humble Mexican uh, who has been living in the EU bubble for the past five years, this is unprecedented. Uh, the EU, to an extent, um, is also um, uh, doing something that no other continent yes. uh, has and done before. It's a, it's, sorry, but this is a very nice point because in case this Green Deal will be successful, it can serve as a blueprint uh, for other countries, for other regions in the world. So obviously the world will also be looking closely uh, to what the EU is doing.
one point you had you had mentioned before the the twin transition of digitization and uh, and um, and decarbonization and i think here it's also very important to mention that i think we as society should overcome this thinking of playing climate or environment versus the business especially in these days you mm. see that actually businesses will have to realize that when they become more efficient and which means also in the end more climate friendly this will give them in the next 30 40 50 60 100 years an advantage we have seen this in the german car industry for like years how they basically have tried to water down any kind of stricter emission targets and they they really try to uh to, to milk so to say their diesel engine until you know the last drop until, until the last drop because they of course earn good money with it but the thing is you know the the the, the world is not only the eu so china california but maybe the us in the future other countries have actually announced to be much stricter if not fade out these kind of technologies and so it is just also in our own interest as the EU, as every country in the EU, to be actually to have also relatively strict regulations there that actually gives businesses a way forward to to say, okay, it, it's strict, it's hard to it's hard to uh, cope with it. Yes, we don't like it, but in the end, it's better to have this to have a kind of like to have a strict teacher. That, that challenges you but then also once you finish school so to say and you export your products to the world you are you are actually competitive yeah and i think this is something i wanted to mention because i feel especially in the germany debate a lot but also sometimes in the brussels debate that this is often very seen very critical for some reason and very like not very like forward looking especially from businesses who should be forward looking i'm like guys just like embrace the change <laughs> it will because it will if it if it won't, uh, if it won't yeah. be coming from the eu it will come from china it will come from other countries and then you have suddenly you have a, you you are against uh, something you haven't been preparing for can, can, can i can i just say that you should absolutely suggest that uh, as a hashtag to um, the director general for communication hashtag embrace the change i think you know um, if you were to start directing that to industry um, maybe you would already be a little bit more um, uh, forward-looking um, because one thing um, that we all know very well is uh, that we all as individuals and of course as organizations we struggle very much to see uh, and think of our future selves. So we're very much uh, biased towards the present and um, and the short-term gains that we may get out of something. But as you rightly pointed out, um, what will happen in uh, three, four, five decades, uh, two or three centuries is far more important than what will happen today or tomorrow and certainly than what happened yesterday. And I wouldn't I think, say it's uh, more important but it's, it is at least to a certain degree clear what's yeah, going to be um, happening in like two or three decades. You know, that's my point. It's not that our, our, our future is like clouded. It's going to be clear that we have to reduce anyway emissions and other other continents will also be stricter yeah, there. Um, but I mean, we have to reduce emissions. We have to find a way to make it very clear that there is something to be gained out of it right now, right? If you want to bring the big polluters on board, uh, they are polluting for a reason, right? And they're polluting because um, there is a profit to be made out of... Uh, I mean, they're not polluting for the sake of polluting, but whatever it is that they're producing is causing pollution, right? So um, to an extent, you have to find a way to talk to them, to give them also incentives, right? Not only... Not only um, 
um, not only punish them, but also try to incentivize them, right? So you want to be a proper teacher. You want to sometimes, of course, uh, you know, hit them a little bit, but uh, every now and then you take out the carrot and you also give them something sweet. Um, and I think uh, the EU, to an extent, uh, is trying to do that, whether it's succeeding or not. Uh, well, that's yeah, um, we will see. That's a question for a different episode. Maybe um, 10, 20 years. I, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, next, I hope it doesn't take us that the, long the, uh, to record another the one. The next EU entangled will be then in 10, 20 years. Until then, have a nice All right. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe on that happy note, um, we can uh, actually um, say, shall we take a break? Yes. Oh, let's take a break, man. Oh, let's take a break. Uh, I like talking sometimes, huh? And you like talking, too. Yeah, and then and then I mean I try to put in like a bit of criticism from science and from business. I think we have both this from the left. The criticism is not enough. Blah blah blah. Okay, I mean this is I mean Varoufakis and and people. You know, I read those articles saying like, oh, it's greenwashing. Okay, fair enough. No, I think you have a very good point um, there. Um, it's, it's, sorry, it's not my point. Eh? It's 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 a Varoufakis. Eh? So <laughs> I don't want to. It's really not my my opinion. No, but you mentioned something um, along those lines uh, at, the, at the beginning um, where you said that it would be important to see if that's actually new money that is destined for green projects, right? Or whether this is money that is just relabeled yeah. in a nice way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree that would be very shady and that would be very shitty and that would certainly qualify as greenwashing. However, um, even in the worst case scenario, I think it's good that 95% of all the communication coming out from the EU institutions is talking about greening the economy. Even if the incentives that they're putting forward are not enough, even if they are not all of them necessarily new, the fact that greening the economy is already part of the public agenda and part of every single conversation that is held it's, I think, a step forward. Because eventually that will translate into new actions and necessarily also new budget that will be needed there. That's true. I, I agree with you there. And um, I just hope it, it is enough, you know, because um, if you're actually looking what science says, and of course science, I don't want to say science has one answer, If you, because a lot of people say, oh, you know, in order to stay on Paris, you have to blah, blah, blah. No, that's not true, you know. So also science says, you know, we don't know about the future, and but to be fairly sure that we reach a 1.5 to 2 degree warming scenario, you know, the EU would actually have to cut emissions even more. I think council says, oh, you know, 50% max currently, I, I think this is what, what is around. Parliament said 60%, maybe 65, but 65, I think, wasn't actually agreed on. So 65 would have been the lower end, what, what a lot of scientists actually say. So, yeah, I mean, the, there you see the struggle. So basically, to be like yeah. actually to be like climate compatible, whatever this is, but you know, uh, you know, sixty five percent would have been the lower end, and uh, and so so I, I totally agree that actually it seems to be now really the the focus of the commission to 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 work on these things. 
uh, especially if you compare like to other countries in the world. But devil lies in the detail. Yeah, um, and I think um, that has to do with the with the topic or a line of argumentation that we really did not explore today, which is also the role of citizens in all of this and i don't mean to put the burden on their shoulders because i think that the main actions and guidelines the main framework should come from public authorities um but i i, I hope that all this public um outrage that we saw last year on the streets uh calling for climate a climate emergency right all around the world um friday for future mainly yeah i i hope that that continues as well um because we need to put pressure on governments on companies on ngos themselves um we need to put pressure on one another basically uh so this keeps on going forward and there i'm afraid um uh, there is no replacement for um civil action Alex, always a pleasure talking to you. Take care and speak to you soon. Before stop, before we close, my friend, our listeners find us on different social media platforms with the handle EU underscore untangled. And they can also send us emails to mail at no, it's called untangled at podworld.org. Podworld.org, untangled at podworld.org, and you find it on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That is about right. Do follow us and reshare. Yeah, and share us, and of course, uh, feel free also to give us some stars on iTunes. No, it's called Apple Podcasts now. Preferably five. Yeah, five, and maybe also write something nice. If you don't like us, then write something nasty, and we will try to make it better next time. I think that's actually it now. Sorry to prolong this end and uh, then until next time sayonara so i uh, i must confess that i have a vague uh, idea as to why the eu green deal is called the eu green deal but i'm not 100 sure and i know for a fact that you do know Alex. So I'd like to ask you, uh, for my own benefit and for that of our listeners, um, if you know where uh, or why the EU Green Deal is called that way. You and maybe all listeners also have for sure heard about the so-called New Deal, uh, which was a pol set of policies, again, by uh, the US President Franklin D. Roosevelt, FDR, in 1933, as in reaction to the big economic crisis of of those times and he basically tried to propose uh, Keynesian policies meaning like increased government spendings to, to stimulate the economy but also also more regulation on the economy and then the, the green new deal came out actually as a first time uh, by a was actually tabled as a first time by a book author called Thomas Friedman in 2007 he actually coined mm, that term that Thomas Friedman Yeah, he he coined that in, in he coined that term in 2007. But then it kind of like, I mean, in the Obama years, Obama did something on 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 climate, but not that much. So actually, the the whole topic picked up again in 2018, um, and the so-called Sunrise Movement actually um, put out something called the Green New Deal in the U.S. and was then also later joined by uh, Alexandria. 
Ocasio-Cortez, a re-elected member of the uh, US Congress. The group, together with her and other politicians, they basically tried to, um, yeah, to, to find support for a Green New Deal in the US. And um, so the whole discussion then basically um, then came over to, to the EU. And then when the new um, commission was uh, established, the new European Commission was established in 2019. At the end of 2019, then uh, von der Leyen decided to see the European Green the European Green New Deal as her prime policy or as her prime political project for the next uh, years. Oh my god. I guess that, that's more or less. That, that's that's a good chunk of uh, history. Um but it makes me think did, did we steal the idea? Maybe we steal the name, but it seems like that that Europe is at least first so far in implementing any of any of the solutions so to say. So let's see. Europe first. I like that. So model. yeah, you first, so to say, in in climate policies, and let's see whether uh, whether the Biden administration can catch up. They gave us they, they gave us a, a one year head start. Let's hope they don't buy their time. Very good.